Hello and welcome. I'm Eric. And I'm John. And this is the Wikipedia Chronicles. podcast where we start with a random article, explore it, and follow the links and see where it takes us. John, what do you have to start us off? Nuan Che. Also known as Long Bun Ruat <laughs> or <laughs> Rungloit Laodi uh, is a for- Cambodian former communist politician who was the chief ideologist of the Khmer Rouge. Commonly known as Brother Number 2, he was second in command to Khmer Rouge leader Pol Pot during the Cambodian genocide of 1975 through 1979. Hmm. So that's that's what I got. That's, that, that's promising, but almost too familiar, uh, <laughs> given what our last episode was about. <laughs> Uh, what do you have, Eric? Anything a little less uh, <laughs> genocide-y? Well, yes. Okay, cool. Good. Let's start. <laughs> My article is Post Office Building, Greenville, Texas. The Post Office Building in Greenville, Texas was built in 1910. Um, mm-hmm. It was listed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1974 It was at this post office on June 20th, 1942, that Audie Murphy enlisted in the United States Army. That is the article. I don't know who Audie Murphy is, what her or his significance. I don't know who this person is. Um, but I guess that was enough to make this specific post office building important enough to have an article <laughs> devoted to I, it on Wikipedia. I, I guess. Um, hmm. Must be a pretty important person. I, I hope I hope so because that's kind of a lame article. <laughs> but um, well, okay. As much as I don't want to go the genocide route again, I don't really know if I want to talk. We can really do a whole lot with that post office article, can we? I mean, there's a link to the person, there's a link to the United States Army, there's a link to National Register of Historic Places, mm-hmm. there's a link to Greenville, Texas, uh, Treasury Department, James Knox Taylor, that's who the architect was who built it. So, I mean, that's hmm. pretty well, much... We could our... do an architecture thing again. That's, that's always fun. That's true. But, uh... Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. You know what? I'm not in the mood. I can't do genocide again. <laughs> I can't do genocide two episodes in a row. Yeah. We gotta do... Okay. Post office in Greenville, Texas. Yeah, post office building. And I certainly hope there's not so many of... There's really not. As you type in post office building, and it's interesting, there's six total. 
Greenville, Texas is the like second one that's a location that comes up. All right, so we can go to Audie Murphy. Is that Eddie Murphy's dad? Who? Who's <laughs> well, obviously somebody very important. Of course, of course. Or at the very least, noteworthy. It just seems very odd that they would be single it out and be like, this place is where he enlisted in the army. Yeah, like, okay, sure, it's a post office. I'm sure many people did <laughs> enlist in the army there. Um, well, what are we going to do? Do we want to find out about Audie Murphy? So, bring us dangerously close <laughs> to World War II again. <laughs> well, we could... Bounce over to Audie Murphy and just kind of get a glimpse of what makes him important. Right. And then go to the architecture route with James Knox Taylor. All right. Kind of go that route. So let's just see. Okay. So Audie Murphy was one of the most decorated American combat soldiers of World War II, receiving every military combat award for valor available from the U.S. Army. Wow. As well as French and Belgian awards for heroism. So, oh, and he received Medal of Honor for valor demonstrated at the age of 19 for single-handedly holding off an entire company of German soldiers for an hour at the Colmar Pocket in France in January 1945 then leading a successful counterattack while wounded and out of ammunition. By himself. By himself. Yeah. Wait, So this, <laughs> this is pretty much the American um, what's-his-face from the Glorious Bastards. Yeah. Um, what is his name? Oh, oh, Hugo Stieblitz? Stieblitz? No, that was one of the... one of the bastards. Uh, this is the... Uh, crap, what's the German name? guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what is his name? Uh, let's see. No, that's imp- I don't understand how that's possible. <laughs> A company. Uh, how do you well wounded and without weapons? <laughs> Frederick Zoller. Frederick Zoller, yeah. That was. But yeah, how do you how do you lead a successful counterattack against people with ammunition, without ammunition, and live? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah. Hmm. Pretty impressive. Oh, he was also an actor after the war. So do we want to stay on Audie Murphy or do we want to go to the architecture? Um Let's let's go to the architecture because we just were down the World War Two and that route, and it really doesn't lead any place terribly new. It actually kind of expands <laughs> on where we left off. <laughs> um, this guy ended up having really bad post-traumatic stress disorder mm. from his experiences. I can't say I blame him. That yeah. couldn't have been easy to like go through to be at that point where you're almost dying anyway, and you're still fighting off these. Like that doesn't. And yeah, I mean, 
I would say it's pretty stressful to be a uh, single soldier against an army of other soldiers yeah. without ammunition. And still somehow <laughs> fight and, like, win. Like, that must have That's... taken some really brutal action on his part that he probably yeah. doesn't feel great about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it says in this article, actually, that he viewed footage of German orphans and cried over them mm. for guilt feelings. Wow. So, yeah. Not let's let's not make another. <laughs> not that it wasn't that was wasn't a bad thing. It was a good thing to be reflective. Mm-hmm. But hey, James Knox Taylor, uh, architect yeah. of uh, <laughs> the super. Okay, so on the previous article on the uh, United States Post Office Building for Greenville, Texas, James Knox Taylor is listed, and then there's commas uh, afterwards saying supervising architect, comma United States Department of Treasury. So it's not really clear whether or not he's just the supervising architect, and then the United States Department of Treasury had its own architects that it brought in. But no, he was the guy that the United States Department of Treasury had on register as their architect. Anytime yeah. they wanted any of their buildings made from any time in between 1897 and 1912, they called him up and he did the design, and that is why you see a lot of consistency in government buildings yeah. from that time frame. I would imagine this is of kind sense. of the standard practice across the board amongst most government agencies. They probably just have like one architect they go through. Yeah. It says that his name is listed ex officio as supervising architect of hundreds of federal wow. buildings that's built a, through the United that's States. That's a resume there. Yeah, yeah, and you can you can bet that a lot of those buildings are still there. Federal buildings oh, yeah. are they often small but sturdy. Yeah, yeah. No. they're not going anywhere. No, they're built to last. So he was the son of H. Knox and Mary Young Taylor. He was born in Knoxville, Illinois. Real? Wait, hold on. That's too good. He's James Knox Taylor. He's the son wow. of H. Knox, born in Knoxville. <laughs> so, and wait, he doesn't have is... the Knox last name, so maybe H. Knox just knocked up his mom. <laughs> I I am very confused. Okay, so his father's name is H. Knox. Okay, H. Knox. so his ins- Knox is not his middle name. His last name is Knox Taylor. Right. Like he took both names. Yes. And... Did his father, like, found Knoxville or something? That? I don't know if he was, like, from the founding family, but sure as hell sounds like it. Yeah, I mean... uh, I don't know if that's true. That would be strange (laughs) if your name was Knox to just move to Knoxville and be like, all right, we're living in Knoxville. Like, that's just, like, me moving to the corner of of King Street because my last name's that. (laughs) It doesn't sound like a very... It's stupid, really. Oh, yeah. Though if I wanted to, I could live on the corner of John and King. Ah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd have to live above a mechanic shop, though, and I don't really want to do that. <laughs> well, it'd be easy to uh, get your car inspected. That's true. You wouldn't have to work out some crazy schedule and get all rides to places. No, you know. I wouldn't. I would just be there. Yeah. And just have it ready to go. So there are there would be benefits, but... Yeah. Mostly it would just be trying too hard to make a pun that isn't really that funny. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It would not be worth it just for the pun. Yeah. Um, But James Knox Taylor, he attended schools in Minnesota, even though he lived in Knoxville, Illinois. Um, Mm -hmm. 
He attended Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Smart guy. Where he was a classmate of William Martin Aiken, hmm. who I don't, don't know. know. Oh, oh, who would precede him in the position of supervisory uh, architect. Okay. Okay. And he was also classmate of Cass Gilbert. And after graduation, he worked in the New York City office of Charles C. Haight and later with Bruce Price. That's a cool name. Bruce I like that. Price. Bruce Price. <laughs> Lots of R's and C's. It's uh, smooth. Very, yeah. It's a good mouthfeel. And in 1882, he moved to St. Paul, Minnesota, where he formed a partnership with Gilbert as Gilbert and Taylor. That sounds familiar. It does sound familiar. Um, they built many homes and churches. Subsequently, they designed the Pioneer and Endicott buildings. Hmm. And in 1893, he moved to Philadelphia and formed a partnership with Amos J. Boyden. And in 1895, he got a job with Aiken, the supervisory architect, as a temporary draftsman. And in 1897, following a civil service commission examination, he became the supervisory architect, the first architect promoted from within. Cool. Yeah. Now, something called the Tarzney Act is what's up next. In 1893, Missouri Congressman John Charles Tarzney, for which the bill is presumably named, introduced a bill that allowed the supervisory architect to hold competitions among private architects for major structures. Competitions under Taylor's supervision included the Alexander Hamilton U.S. Custom House, the James Farley Post Office, the Cleveland Federal Building, the United States Post Office and Courthouse in Baltimore, Maryland, and the United States Custom House in San Francisco, California, which are all now on the National Register of Historic Places. So they ain't going anywhere. The competitions were met with enthusiasm by the community, but were also marred by scandal, as when Taylor picked his ex-partner, Cass Gilbert, for the New York Customs House Commission. Uh, in 1913, the act was repealed. Mm. In 1912, Taylor returned to MIT for two years as director of the Department of Architecture, then moved to Yonkers, New York, where he, for several years, continued practicing. In 1928, he retired to Tampa, Florida, where he died in the following year. Hmm. And we got a list of places. Ooh, that picture inside the post office in Waterville, Maine. Yeah. That is a nice-looking building. That is cool. Like, it's a neat little post office. It's almost kind of like a one-story Gringotts sort of place. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. When they show you that in Harry Potter, it's kind of how the lead-up to that is. Yeah, it's. I love the how it's like round in the front, like yeah. the entrance, and then it's just got these square sides. It's almost a little like um, how the White House is, but yeah. kind of smushed. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a smushed. smushed and like angled on the sides. Yeah, <laughs> it's like if uh, the White House was like a really old <laughs> yeah. building where an old lady lived or something. Yeah, like this is the uh, where the presence of the old ladies resides. <laughs> But, yeah, we got um, Ellis Island Immigrant Hospital in 1908. That's one of the buildings that he created. Uh, Let's see. There's an article for it. I'm trying to see. It's a neat little hospital. Nothing especially groundbreaking 
architecture wise but not necessarily that it needs to be right um pioneer and endicott buildings that was mentioned earlier it's pretty nice i mean it's a uh, pretty typical like i don't know if you would call that a skyscraper but <laughs> i mean it's like up there but it's not it's not up there yeah you know what i mean it's it's like a double, it's like a half half skyscraper. <laughs> yeah, it tried. Yeah, of course it was built in 1890, so it was I tall think, for uh, the time. <laughs> yeah, probably stuck out like a sore thumb. Oh, he built the uh, Alaska Governor's Mansion. Ooh. I didn't. Uh, that's literally just a house. <laughs> he he didn't really architect that one too much. He was just like. Uh, you want a house? Okay, here's a house. It's a big house, but it's just, you know, it's just a house. Yeah. Pretty housey. Did the Denver Mint. He did the Philadelphia Mint. He did a couple of uh, post office buildings in Pennsylvania as well. Uh, namely, in Oil City, Pennsylvania, and Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, where the Punxsutawney Phil Groundhog Day ceremony is seen. I wonder if uh, any of his works are in the movie Groundhog Day. Almost definitely. <laughs> the Punxsutawney uh, post office building that he designed is ironically now occupied by the Punxsutawney Weather Discovery Center. <laughs> oh, that's a pretty nice building. Hmm. Columns, I like it. I mean, it definitely looks uh, federal. Yeah, yeah, you build buildings like that because they are federal. Yeah, the other uh, Pennsylvania post offices are pretty uh, nice looking too. Mm-hmm. Government must have fallen on some hard times to get rid of these, though. I mean, the post office itself must have fallen on hard, hard, hard times. Most of these post offices, a lot of these post office buildings are still standing and protected mm. historically, sure, but are they occupied by a post office? <laughs> no, 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 no. Ooh, man, he, he knows how to design a post office. I will tell you that much. Yeah. Like, he really this does. guy. Like, those post offices are just solid. Yeah. There's a solid like, post office. I don't know if the post office needs to be as good-looking and sturdy as he made them, but... There's just something timeless about that kind of a structure. Yeah. Uh, can really tie a town together, you know? Mm. And some of these are just really... just really good-looking buildings. Yeah. Hmm. I like the Belvedere, Illinois one. Yeah, that one's kind of cool because it has that kind of... It's on the corner design, and it like, really makes use of the space right up to the corner. Doesn't really look like it, that was necessary in the long run, but hey. Yeah. <laughs> you know? The uh, picture on the right of the Mineral Wells Texas one is pretty nice, too. Very grand. Well, do we want to go to a specific building, or do we want to check out one of the people or mm. even one of the towns maybe yeah I think so we probably investigate his you know lineage and see if Knoxville see if is more his, yeah we could let's investigate that let's see what Knoxville is all about and maybe 
will shed some light on whether or not we are onto something. Knoxville, Illinois. So this isn't the Knoxville you're probably thinking of right. because this one only has a population of 2,911. <laughs> yeah, the Knoxville, the other Knoxville is Tennessee, right? Yeah, that's yeah. the. I think that's the notable one. That, yeah, that's the big one. With the gold and the reserve and mm. that stuff. Fort Knox. Fort Knox, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, Knoxville is located just southeast of the city of Galesburg. There is a public square in the center of town with several historic buildings surrounding it, including Knox County's first courthouse, City Hall, the Ball Log Cabin, the town Gallows. Wait, what? You, 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 you guys still have, have Gallows over there? <laughs> no, wow. And several other important buildings. The Knox County Fairgrounds is just north of Knoxville on Henderson Street. Knoxville is served with two exits on Interstate 74 at U.S. Highway 150 east of town and at Henderson Street north of town. U.S. Highway 150 runs east and west through Knoxville and serves as the main business thoroughfare. Illinois Highway 97 and Knox County Highway 8 also enter the city. The Knoxville Cemetery lies in the northern part of town on Market Street. The Knox County Nursing Home is located in the city. There is a grade school in Knoxville, as well as a junior high and a high school. Among the quote-unquote attractions in Knoxville are the historic buildings, Walnut Grove Farm and Rattletoes Exhibit. Wait. (laughs) Rattletoes? Rattletoes? Why isn't that a link? I need some, <laughs> yeah, somebody has some explaining to do. <laughs> what is a rattle that, toast? That's something you can't just you can't just make that up and leave me hanging. Yeah. Uh, also, the Knox County Fair is there, held in August. The annual Knox County Scenic Drive is held in October. Wait, they just go around and drive drive around the county. <laughs> that's it. All right. Hmm. All right. Here we go. The uh, Knoxville was established in on January 15, 1831, and it was originally called Henderson until its name was changed to Knoxville on December 22, 1832, when it became the county seat. Hmm. It was one of the first ten municipalities incorporated in the state and is the oldest town in Knox County. And Knoxville was the county seat until 1873, when the county seat was moved to Galesburg. Uh, let's see. Doesn't really say anything about um, the people that founded the town, unfortunately. So, something notable is the old Knox County Jail was the location of the only legal lynching in Knox County when John Osborne was hanged March 14th, 1873 for the murder and sodomy of Adelia M. Matthews, Yates City. That's fun. Yep. <laughs> what? <laughs> hmm. Well. Well, also, Abraham Lincoln stayed in Knoxville on his yeah, way to his debate <laughs> with Stephen A. Douglas at Knox College in 1858. The hotel that he spent the night at it was demolished, but a plaque on the building currently at the site commemorates the occasion. Nice. Yeah. That's kind of cool, at least. Yeah. Unfortunately, they don't say anything about 
the founders of the town. I was way beyond that, man. I was all I was right on to Rattletoes. Yeah, I've been on Rattletoes like white on rice since like we found what since we found that Rattletoes is something that they consider an attraction. <laughs> what is a Rattletoes? What is a Rattletoes? I just want to know. This is strange that Google is not, like, providing answers as well as they should. Uh, oops, I was in the wrong state. Illinois. Great, the first result is this. <laughs> Somebody has to, like know enough about this to make an article for it. Okay, hold on. I'm just going to look up Knoxville, Illinois. I'm going to look at TripAdvisor. There are things to do in Knoxville, Illinois. <laughs> and also things to do best in Knoxville and also best in, in, in Galesburg. Just going to look at them all. Things to do. One. Okay. The Roadhouse Sports Bar. That's not it. <laughs> Top things to do in Knoxville. The Roadhouse Sports Bar. <laughs> Sounds like a real winner of a place. Um, let's go back. Oh, actually, that does look a little charming. But um, here, let me look at the top ten things to do in Galesburg. Since if that's the county seat, maybe there's a little more going on there. Okay. Museums, sites, and landmarks. I'm not sure what it would be. There's the Carl Sandburg State Historic Site, which is weird because we were just looking at what in Knoxville. Is that the John Sandburg? <laughs> yeah. There was in Knoxville, oh, Sandburn. John G. Sandburn was an occupant of a log cabin on the site of Knoxville as of 1832, which was unearthed later and preserved. Whereas, the one I'm looking at is the Carl Sandburg <laughs> State Historic Site. Not the same thing. Um, museums. We got the Galesburg Railroad Museum. Okay. How about outdoor activities? What the heck is a Rattletoes? <laughs> you can't just say... Apparently the internet does not know anything about Rattletoes. <sighs> Even if I just type in Rattletoes, what's it going to bring up? Nothing. Rattletoes Socks by Goldbug. Goat Toe Rattle Unus Bracelets by African Rattle. Baseball rattle toe socks. This is... Let me read this again. Let me make sure I didn't misread this. <laughs> Walnut Grove Farm and Rattle Toes Exhibit. Maybe that's one thing. Walnut Grove Farm and Rattle Toes Exhibit. Walnut Grove Farm. Okay, let's go to the website for that. And there's also a website for the Knox County Scenic Drive, which 
didn't mention anything about Rattletoes before, but maybe it will now. Okay, this is a great website and all, but... No, there's nothing about Rattletoes. Nothing about Rattletoes. Maybe there's old people playing in that band or the Rattletoes. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's a band. Well, we've... It's just a, an exhibit of a band. Yep. They've, they're they just so old, they just stopped. They, <laughs> they got petrified while they were playing. They played for so long. <laughs> and now they're just there. Man, that's... One of the most frustrating things. Yeah, I mean... just mention something like that. And then it cuts and runs on you. Because whoever wrote that knows that. Rattletoes is catching. You know? Rattletoes will stick out. I'm not going to tell them what it is, though. That's devious. They know about Rattletoes, but they don't want to tell anybody. This must be really good. Maybe it's... Uh, maybe it's a way to entice people to go go there. Maybe it's a way it's to keep like, people out. Mm. It's not for us. It's not... Rattletoes aren't for you outsiders. <laughs> but that's interesting. Um, That they have such low self-esteem about <laughs> their town. It looks like a nice enough place. But they have, like, attractions and quotes here. And they're just like, hmm. One thing, though, is there are no sources cited for that. In fact, there are zero sources until... Let's see. Until the geography stuff and demographics. You know, All of that beginning information is just somebody knows about it and typed it up. It's weird, though, that this little town is actually pretty prominent um, from this one little 2,000-person town. There is uh, a lot of notable people, actually. Um, really? Yeah. There is... Charles C. Craig, who's a politician. There's Armando Gisala, who's a trumpet player with the Boston Symphony and Boston Pops. You've got Justin Hartley, who's an actor from, uh, you might know him from Passions and Smallville. He was Oliver Queen in those shows. Hmm. Um, James Perdue, who's a congressman. You've got uh, Ernest DeCoven Leffingwell who's an explorer. You've got Charles Wesley Leffingwell, who's an Episcopal priest, writer, and educator. There's also Charles R. Walgreen. The founder of Walgreens <laughs> is from here. Citation needed. It says so, but... <laughs> but we, I think we can trust... Uh, may, maybe. Okay. Maybe. We got Polly Wolf, who's a major league baseball outfielder, and another politician. Hmm. So for a small town, it's cranking out some notable people. Yeah. And pharmaceutical chains. Hmm. Well, it gives us some place to go from here if we want to. Yeah. Go explore the founder of Walgreens. <laughs> That's an unexpected thing, but I guess everybody has to come from somewhere. Yeah. It's always interesting when we come across founders. Yeah, they're just... It's almost like they're regular people. <laughs> Who just happened to luck out in the uh, long game. Hmm. You've also got Stephen A. Douglas, if you go to. Oh, yeah, Stephen Douglas. He was that uh, communist guy, right? 
No, for real. He was uh, some guy that ran against. Yeah, he was the. So, uh, no, no, that was Eugene V. That was Eugene V. Debs. Stephen Douglas was the guy who ran against Lincoln Master. Yeah. Hmm. Personally, yeah, you know what you know what I want to do. Walgreens. I want to do Walgreens. Yeah. <laughs> I am leaning that way as well. Charles Rudolph Walgreens. <laughs> Remember when that was like a name that wasn't a joke? <laughs> Remember before they made him into a claymation reindeer down nobody can take that name seriously? That was it's a, it's a good just time. funny how names just get ruined by one thing. Yeah, you and know? then they just get attached. Yep. That's it. It's like as soon as there was Hitler and Adolf, those names were They can never be paired completely. again. They're off the it's table. Like, all right. They're done. Nobody ever named Adolf from here on out. As soon as there was Jesus, <laughs> like people actually know people still call people Jesus. Yeah. But Especially, I'm not like, really sure why. <laughs> <laughs> like, I felt like that would have yeah, been the first thing to be I'd off be the like, table. All right, nobody calls anybody else Moses. Would, yeah, seriously. You know? well, do they? People. I don't see any. I've never met somebody named Moses. I've met a couple of Jesus. Well, okay, I, I've met like an Abraham. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Abraham's just a dude. That's true. <laughs> and know, you, meet, like, you meet some Noahs, but you yeah. don't meet you don't meet like Moses. You don't meet yeah. the guy who like parts the Red Sea. Yeah. You just meet this guy who gets on the boat. You meet this guy who, like, repopulates the earth or, like, has a kid really old. So, like, <laughs> you, you meet those people a day yeah. in day out. They're, they're, they're salt of the earth, those people. But the guy who's like, wizard, you shall not pass, and, like, throws his staff <laughs> down and, like, you know, kills the Balrog of the Egyptian whatever. Yeah. Um, like, that's, that's new and different. That's, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's just a strange phenomenon. It some, really is. Some names get killed. Yeah. Some names that there's, should be killed aren't killed. No. Like there <laughs> should be. There's like most of the time there is one that exceeds the other, and sometimes people, I guess, I guess in some instances, people are just like, nah, let's name people that in honor of that mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. It depends. I. It's just really kind of awkward because it's not necessarily a good or a bad thing that happens. Right. Like, with Rudolph, <laughs> I mean, that's just a timeless holiday classic. Yeah. But you so would I'm never a... name your kid Rudolph because they're going <laughs> to yeah. be expected to have a red shiny nose. And you don't want to yeah, have like, to have them have the pain of Rudolph's childhood. That's the funny thing. Like, Rudolph is a beloved classic. Yeah. But never to child. name... A child that is to doom them yes. to a lifetime of misery. <laughs> exactly, and that—that's just like it's—it's it's unconscionable, is what it is. And uh, you know, Kermit the Frog. Kermit mm. the Frog is ruined. Kermit's. Yeah. The Kermit was a name. My great grandfather was named Kermit, but like I laughed and at that when I found also, that out. <laughs> uh, Homer. As a Kermit. Homer. Homer was a name, a real yeah. name, and, and now it is a joke. It like, is a joke. <laughs> Homer. There's no Homers no. anywhere on no the Homer. face of the earth. There's yeah. no Homers. Homers Run uh, <laughs> is over as a name. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I mean, it was even Bart. Bart, Bart is like, also kind of a joke. I mean, uh, like no. I'm sure it's still used. Gets you know used, but which is interesting because things like Lisa and yeah. Marjorie are fine. Yeah, those are very common. But then but Homer <laughs> and Bart, like, nope, can't do it. Right? Is like, there's been thing? a lot of Barts in history. Are there, there's no, there's no female names that are that follow this. That archetype. are out of bounds. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know of a single one. Yeah, I'm is trying it, to think. Yeah, but think about it. Like, it's all... It's Rudolph, it's Kermit, it's Hitler. It yeah. should be Jesus, it's not, but it should be. Um, <laughs> Moses. 
Like everything we've been through, even yeah. even the fictional characters, even the cute little like frog, yeah. puppet frog, they're all dudes. That's true. There, there aren't like nobody was gonna be called There's Miss no- Piggy in the first place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At least you would hope not. Pray to God not. But you know. Um, but yeah, there's there's no female not, name that has been ruined that like, I can think that of. I, not that I know of. Like, wow. Maybe the names, the female names that are chosen for stuff, is just so common that it just it's, can't be ruined. Right. I don't know. Right, and and it's not like there haven't been iconic female characters. I mean, you have Joan of Arc is one of the ones that mm-hmm. leaps to mind. Uh, Mary, mother of Jesus. Yeah. Mary Magdalene, the friend of Jesus. Um, yeah. like Mary's still a fine name. Yeah. Joan's still a, I mean, pretty butch name, but it's like it's yeah. name. But I think maybe that's what I did. Maybe Joan like kind of gave like the 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 pretense of like the kind of right like you're imposing a certain image on them now yeah maybe that's what it is it more could for be. It's, instead of just being outright like verboten mm-hmm. it's just like oh well now because of Joan of Arc like everybody's gonna be like if they're gonna be Joan they're gonna be bad they're gonna yeah. be like like good bad but they're gonna be bad you know they're gonna be like cool bad they're yeah be super bad <laughs> like the movie <laughs> yeah maybe. Maybe the problem is that there have been no real female figures or fictional female characters With that have been so bad that they could ruin a name. Nobody's named Cleopatra. That's true, but yeah. I think that might be the one. Maybe, yeah. Like there just but it been ha- was that women. common enough of a name in the first place? Uh, I wasn't around... Then. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jesus made a mad comeback. Moses didn't. Moses yeah. is dead. Noah's Noah's still around. Yeah. Abraham too, like you said. Yeah. Uh, Abe, Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe I mean like, I don't know. I don't know. That seems it does seem weird to me though that like I don't like I can just roll off a couple of <laughs> of couple like, of them. They all have the to only kids. names that I can think of, like female names that you would never name a child are not ruined by a specific character, but they're just not good names. <laughs> right. You know, like Bertha or Gertrude, like that kind of thing. I feel like Margaret is... Thatcher, she was the, yeah, Prime Minister of Britain. Mm-hmm. I feel like in future generations, she will have ruined the name Margaret. Like, Maybe. you don't see any young Margarets anyway, do you? Yeah. That, I mean, well, the thing is, if you name a child Margaret, they have to be Maggie. No, they can for be until Peg. Peg? They can be yeah, Peg. that's true. I, I used to work with a couple of Margarets that chose to be Peg, but I don't know why. Like, I don't know how that works. They just, they were just like, you know what? Just call me Peg. <laughs> I don't, that, that, that's one name transition I don't yeah. get. Will, Bill, kind of understand that one. See, I've heard a, uh... At least I think this is what I heard. Somebody called David uh, Dick as a but that's, as a nickname. Isn't that supposed to be Richard? Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. But there was a like a person named David yeah. who was also called Dick. But what about oh, one of the I don't get Jack. Yeah, Jack. Jack can be James. Jack can be John. Mm-hmm. But it's not any shorter than those names. And it's longer in most instances. <laughs> 
and it isn't either of those names. It's yeah, it's not. A, it's just the literally the first letter is. Yeah. So what's Jack? I don't know. I don't know Jack. Yeah. I don't, I don't know Jack. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, interesting how that that ruins the name. Yeah. And interesting how that kind of populates itself. Like it doesn't it doesn't really proliferate in the same way that you would think it would. Yeah. Across all people. Oh wow. Wait, what? Okay, so Charles Rudolph Walgreen is an American businessman who lived from 1873 till 1939. He obviously founded the now famous general store and pharmacy store chain Walgreens. He was born in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, I mean, Illinois. Wow, it just rolls <laughs> off the tongue if you don't yeah. stop yourself. Uh, before moving to Galesburg, Illinois, mm. at a young age, he is the son of Swedish immigrants. When his farl. Farl. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> when his father. Carl Magnus Olafsson. Wow, that's a name. Isn't it? How do you get Walgreen from that? Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> came to America from Sweden. The family name was changed to Walgreen. Ah, that's a strange change. Olafsson to Walgreen. All right. Uh, while he was still quite young, he and his family relocated to Dixon, Illinois in 1887. He attended Dixon High School in Dixon, Illinois and Dixon Business College thereafter. He was a member of the International Fraternity Tau Kappa Exelon, or TKE. As a young adult, he lost part of a finger in an accident at a shoe Ooh. factory. The doctor who treated him persuaded him to become an apprentice for a local druggist. His interest in pharmacy dated from the time he was employed by D.S. Horton, a druggist in Dixon, where he was apprenticed as a pharmacist. In 1893, Walgreen went to Chicago and became a registered pharmacist. At the time the Spanish-American War happened, Walgreen enlisted with the 1st Illinois Volunteer Cavalry. While serving in Cuba, he contracted malaria and yellow fever, which continued to plague him for the rest of his life. Wow. But yeah, after... He was discharged because of uh, this disease and returned to Chicago where he worked as a pharmacist for Isaac Blood. Wow. Now, that's, <laughs> that's a an name appropriate for a yeah. name. <laughs> Very appropriate. Wow. And in 1901, when Blood retired, Walgreen bought the store from him. He opened a second store in 1909 and by 1916 owned nine drugstores. So, in seven years, he expanded quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, which he incorporated as Walgreen Co. Walgreens was one of the first chains to carry non-pharmaceuticals as a mainstay of the store's retail section. Walgreens offered low-priced lunch counters, built its own ice cream factory, and introduced the malted milkshake in 1922. By 1927, Walgreens... Walgreen had established 110 stores. Jeez. So, they were you set aside that uh, ex like oh, crazy growth in seven years. Uh, in what is 11 years, he opened 101 stores. That's exponential growth. That's that is how that 
let's okay, let's break down the math again. Hundred and ten, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's opening ten stores a year. Yeah, that's a lot. That's that's crazy, man. This this guy, uh, guess he knows what he's doing because he offered food in his pharmacy. Basically. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Like, don't just have him come in for drugs. Have him come in for a meal. Yeah, while I'm here, I guess I'm gonna eat too. Yeah, got to eat with your pills too. It's true. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, his son is Charles Rudolph Walgreen Jr., who was born 1906 and died February 10th, 2007. So that's wow. pretty recently. Yeah. And his grandson Charles R. Walgreen III both shared his name, obviously. And played prominent roles in the company he founded. His daughter, Ruth Walgreen, married Justin Whitlock Dart Sr. And Dart left the Walgreens company after they divorced and went on to control rival Rexall drugstores in 1943. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Just like the magnates of pharmacy <laughs> chains are just like, they're, they're a royal family unto themselves. Yeah. There's the CBS guys in there somewhere too, I'm sure. <laughs> And Ruth, in her adult years, a published poet, eventually remarried and began spending winters in Tucson, Arizona, where in the early 1960s, she was instrumental in establishing the Poetry Center at the University of Arizona. Hmm. He is a member of Labor Hall of Fame. I am assuming the he here is referring back to the original Charles Rudolph Walgreen. Yeah, I guess that, yeah. Gonna, gonna guess. Gonna go out on a limb. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's multiple sequels. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's that's not right. <laughs> Did, Did you, you click on I... one of the names? Did you click on the third one? Yes. And it took you to the company? Yes. Because he just got absorbed. <laughs> <laughs> he is Walgreens. He just is Walgreens now. He... When you walk into a Walgreens, you're walking into him. He is. If you look at the top of the building, well, see, he uh, made the mistake. Face. Is that the the family secret was that they can have exponential growth as long as they never set foot inside of one of their own stores, <laughs> else the curse would be reconciled. <laughs> and uh, the you know, CRW three was like, you know what? I don't believe in this. I'm gonna go to my <laughs> own store and buy ice cream there, and he did, and he became the store. Hmm. Spooky. <laughs> Probably a better fate. Buildings last way longer than people. <laughs> I guess uh, good old Charles III doesn't get his own article. Nope. He's not even like involved in the company. <laughs> yeah, in he's the company neither. article, he's not even really mentioned a whole lot. So there is one three. There is two. Wait. There's one three. There's Charles Cork. Walgreen yeah. <laughs> the third took over, and uh, the years after Walgreen Jr.'s retirement in the early 1950s. Dude, Walgreen Jr. lived until 2007, and he was retired since before my parents were born. <laughs> He died when I graduated high school, and before I was a twinkle in my granddaddy's eye, <laughs> that guy was retired. Man. That is a crazy long retirement. Yes, it is. <laughs> that is a 57-year retirement. I don't know. It sounds a little lazy to me. I feel like it does. his dad was 
really working hard and working himself he's like, crazy. Uh, and you know, uh, <laughs> Charles Jr. was just like, yeah, this is good. This is fine. <laughs> so Cork took over. And... It'd be nice if we could see how long Cork was uh, doing stuff, but... Well, uh, the Walgreen family was not involved in senior management of the company for a short time following Walgreen III's retirement. Oh, well, when did he retire? What the heck? Uh, in 1986, it acquired the Metamart chain from Stop and Shop. In 1995, Kevin P. Walgreen was made a vice president Who's and promoted to the P. senior... <laughs> I don't know! <laughs> okay, let's search the article, see if this Kevin That's what guy I did. Com- comes up. Oh, I'm he reading, doesn't. I'm in, yeah. <laughs> oh, this is the first mention and only mention of By the Kevin way, uh, 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 editing purposes, put a, little, put a little ding noise in right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I think we're on the arc- at Walgreens yeah. article now. We have been for a bit. We might, I might have... Yeah, I'll, I'll ding it earlier. We'll ding it. It'll, ding, it'll be done before it'll yeah, be by the time, by, by the time you listen to this part, it will have dung. It will. Yeah, yep. Sure will. Sure will have dung. Lots of dung. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, I'm guessing... If Kevin P. Walgreen has to be a son of somebody. Right. Kevin P. Walgreen was made vice president and promoted to senior vice president of store operations in 2006. So who's the president at this time? Uh, um, well, it's still uh, Alex Gourlay. Alex Gourlay. So somebody not even in the Walgreens family. Right. Even though Kevin P. is still lurking around there somewhere. And also, uh, Charles III is obviously still alive. I mean, if he's anything like his dad, yeah. He's probably going to be alive for a while, but we'll never know from (laughs) when and until, until after he's dead. Yeah. Maybe he's one of those guys who just has so much money that you just never hear about him, and he's yeah. deliber- he's just erased himself. <laughs> he retired long enough ago. He retired. He saw the internet coming down the pike, and he was like, "I'm retiring now. Nobody will ever see me again. Goodbye." And then he vanished then- into a cloud of smoke. <laughs> and then he spends all of his time just checking the Wikipedia articles and Seeing seeing if he's mentioned. And he's like, "All right, I'm going to take out the links. I'm going to take out the article." I don't exist <laughs> as far as this is concerned. And now it's time to go home from the library because I don't own a computer <laughs> in my house. Yeah, apparently in uh, July 12, 2006, David Bernauer stepped down as CEO of Walgreens because apparently he had been CEO. Um, whenever whenever that would have happened, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and then he, rep- he was replaced by company president... Jeff Rain. Jeff Rain took the reins. Holding degrees in accounting and pharmacy from... A, do you have a degree in pharmacy? Is that a... Is that correct? I don't think... Grammar? I don't think you can get a degree. You don't, don't you get like a, like a doctorate? I mean, you get... Or a master's? D- I don't think you just get like an undergrad pharmacy. <laughs> that's not That's not something that happens. Yeah. I feel like it wouldn't it be like pharmaceuticals or... Yeah, uh, like some, but you. I feel like that there's not a. I mean, you would get a pharma. You get a 
degree to be a pharmacist. Yeah, a, a pharmacist's pharma degree. But you don't get a degree, degree in, pharmacy. in pharmacy. I have a degree in pharmacy. <laughs> like that, that doesn't sound right. I would not hire that person if that's no. what they told me. It's from the University of Arizona. That's like probably he probably <laughs> actually meant University of Phoenix online. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Rain was a pharmacist, a store manager, district manager, and treasurer prior to being named chief executive officer and chairman of the board. Wow. Okay, then, so he was a pharmacist. Yeah. He became a store manager. So he really actually did like start at the bottom and work his way all the way to the top. Same thing with the original Charles Rudolph. Yep. Um, they can kind of so, respect that chain. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, Charles the Third was just like, you know what, this guy's got it going on. I'm just gonna let him. Maybe Kevin P was stuff. just like riding on the coattails, and yeah. and and uh, CRW three was just like, nah, this isn't cool. <laughs> you you did the thing that everybody else in the family did. Doesn't matter that you're not in the family. Go be CEO. Yeah. <laughs> it's better. And uh, Greg Wasson, former president of Walgreens Health Services was named President and Chief Operations Officer. And then in 2008, so this is what, two years after yeah. uh, Jeff Rain took uh, presidency, Rain abruptly quit as CEO and was replaced by Alan G. McNally as Chairman and Acting CEO. And then the next year, Gregory Wasson was named CEO. Um... Yeah. Wow, they they acquired drugstore.com in 2011. Whoa. Was that and an option? I guess. I, couldn't, I didn't know I could buy drugs online. And then drugstore.com in turn owned beauty.com, I guess. Oh, those are some good domain names. Yeah. Ooh, that, in all, April 30th, 2011... They operated 8,169 stores. So that continues the growth rate that yeah. the, the, the first guy set out with, basically. It's about mm-hmm. 10 stores a year. Yeah. And then some. It's about 80 stores a year, isn't it? Probably, yeah. 8,000. What is it? Like, from 27 to 2011, that's 90 years or 80. 80. Yeah. years. So something yeah. around like 80 stores. Jeez. That's fast. Mm-hmm. Well, they, were, they acquired Happy Harry's <laughs> in Delaware, Pennsylvania, Maryland, and New Jersey. What's a Happy Harry's? Do we have one of I've those? I've heard of that. Or maybe I'm thinking of Leap and Larry's from Seinfeld, but... Uh, no, you're probably thinking of Happy Harry's. I, I, I feel like that name sounds familiar. It was a drugstore here. There were 76 of them here, but it was in Wilmington, Delaware, so where did I see it? Wilmington, Delaware is where Happy Harry started. There's Delaware, Pennsylvania, Maryland, and New Jersey, so... Hmm. You had to have seen it before 2006, probably. Unless it was in Delaware, because in Delaware they kept it as Happy Harry's. They didn't change the nameplate. They changed it here because Walgreens has more of a presence here. But that's true. We are closer to the origin of Walgreens. Yes. Yeah. October 2007, Walgreens opens its 6,000th store in New Orleans, Louisiana. Slaps a really nice big neon sign on there too, from the look <laughs> of it. Yeah. That is a nice looking Walgreens. 
It's a nice looking sign. Yeah. That's like old. That's that's the kind of neon sign America needs again. We yeah. need more of those. <laughs> yeah. Classy. Inefficient. Yeah. Really, really hot. Yep. <laughs> bug zapping. Bug zapping lights. <laughs> In August of 2011, Walgreens introduced its nice store brand of food nice. and household products. Fully rolled out in 2012, the Nice brand replaced a variety of existing Walgreens store brands such as Deerfield Farms, Calf W, and others. Holy crap. In 2012, Walgreens paid $6.7 billion for a 45% interest in Alliance Boots. Let's go to Alliance Boots. Okay. What the heck? <laughs> Why would they Alliance invest in Boots. boots. Why? Alliance Boots, GmbH, was was a multinational pharmacy-led health and beauty group with corporate headquarters in Bern, Switzerland, and operational headquarters in Nottingham and Weybridge in the United Kingdom. The company had a presence in over 27 countries, including associates and joint ventures in 2013 and 2014, reporting revenue in excess of 23.4 billion pounds. It had two core business activities, pharmacy-led health and beauty retailing, and pharmaceutical wholesaling and distribution. I have to say, the name of this company is probably the worst possible name for what they do. What do they do? Well, apparently they're in the health and beauty business, but they're... Is Boots maybe named? Is it has to be named after somebody? It says because that it was founded in 1849 as Boots. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, boots. as Boots. Like, if I walked into a place called Alliance Boots, I would expect to walk out of there with a pair of boots. Yep, that's that's what I would think too. But in the United Kingdom, nope, Boots. Pharmacy. <laughs> Deal with it. Um, was founded by John Boot. Okay. So what they mean is Boot apostrophe S. Yeah. Like it's Boots. It's, it's their store. Boots. It's not just Boots. Because that's, that's a pair of boots. Yeah. <laughs> that's a different thing. You want to put the I mean, apostrophe up there <laughs> to denote that it's the ownership. The ownership of it is, but it belongs to a guy with the name of Boots. Or yeah. multiple people with the name of Boots, yeah. where there would still be an apostrophe somewhere in the <laughs> equation to let you know like, about that. I mean, when your name is Boots, you or Boot, you have to understand my name is also a piece of clothing. Eric? And I need to... Oh. Uh, you know, <laughs> like... Yes. <laughs> my like, name is also a toilet, but go on. <laughs> like... Yeah, I mean, if your name's Boot, you'll be like, okay, obviously my name sounds like a piece of clothing, and people are going to get confused about that. Mm-hmm. So if I was them, I would have called it, like, Boots Beauty or, like, Boots Health Boots. Store or something. Yeah, Boots Pharmacy, something. Boots Apothecary, <laughs> Boots Druggists. Like, something to hint at what 
actually happens inside the store. You don't just put a store sign that says boots and then <laughs> have people like be like disappointed when they walk in with holes in their feet. <laughs> and like, I need some boots. And they'll be like, sorry. Here's some athlete's foot cream. Here's some painkillers. Here's some moleskin. <laughs> don't have any shoes, though. So best of luck to you. <laughs> sorry about the confusion. I don't know. Alliance Boots. Well, both of the uh, companies that used to be under the Boots group eventually just got gobbled up by Walgreens, thus securing their... Uh, huh. Securing their stake in, in moving across... Becoming an international corporation. Uh, basically... The 45% stake that Eric mentioned before was a first step in a three-year merger plan. Um, and on in August of 2014, Walgreens exercised its option to complete the second step of its strategic transaction with Alliance Boots to create the first global pharmacy-led health and beauty retailer with over 12,000 stores worldwide. So Walgreens is... Uh Making moves. Yeah, they are. I mean, they're almost like the Disney of uh, the pharmacy stores. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like CVS is a little more prominent in the United States still. Yeah. Still has a few more stores has, than Walgreens. Yeah, I feel like CVS has the, uh, you know. But that may just be here that you associate you rec- with yeah. drugstores. Like, you know, I'm gonna go to the CVS real yeah. quick. Like you could but say that. But if you that see a Walgreens, Walgreens on the way, you might be like, oh, okay. Maybe I like Walgreens there. better anyway. I'm gonna go yeah. here. But, but the first thing you think of is, like, CVS. Right. But I think that might be just here. Like, Walgreens yeah, may be playing the big game. They may be like, okay, well, maybe we can't win in the United States, but you know what we can do? Take over the world. <laughs> <laughs> maybe uh, all this um, world traveling and uh, corporate craziness was just too much for the uh, Charles Rudolph Walgreens... <laughs> folks that might have been they it. were just like you know what i can't handle this uh, all this craziness so this I'm isn't what retire. i signed up for <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna soon retire i'm now. just gonna take all my money and then you guys can deal with it wow what's an adventure yeah <laughs> so yeah we've uh walked all the way from post office building greenville texas to alliance boots and boy are our feet tired I really wish they had boots here. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed your listen here. And uh, if you enjoyed it, go ahead and visit facebook.com slash TWC podcast. Give us a like and follow there. And rate us and review us on iTunes and the other podcast places. And you can find us everywhere. Everywhere podcasts are not sold. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'd like to thank Louis Armstrong for our theme song and the Boswell sisters for our outro song. And thanks again for joining us. I was Eric. And I was John. And this was the Wikipedia Chronicles. You made the weak and the strong. made the robin sing
a happy song of spring. You gave me a lonely song. I got a heart and I got a cabin. My door is open wide. What good's a heart? What good's a cabin if nobody lives inside? You made the mountains, the earth, and the sky to say you're wrong. It's not my fault, my heart. 